So it's really a great uh, pleasure to be able to talk to you this morning because this series is a really cool series, right, on better parenting. And it all flows out of the book called The Blessing. So if you can turn to uh, the first slide. Uh, and then one more. Okay, so in this series about the blessing, last week we had the power of meaningful touch in your, in your family in particular, but you know, with all of these concepts, we're extending it out to others. What is the role of meaningful touch? And uh, John did a magnificent job talking about it and reminding us that there is something inherently special about that hand on the shoulder, etc. Uh, it's very important. So this week is the power of a spoken message in the blessing. So using your words to bless your family, and then, of course, like I said, this blessing can go far beyond just your family. Now, let me tell you a little bit of a story, because as you may have felt, we had a major earthquake in Southern California, what is it, three weeks ago now? Yeah, three weeks ago. And it was, uh, it was fascinating, because we first had a July 3rd or 4th, 4th in the morning, a 6.4 magnitude event out in the desert. And so then I was thinking, well, that's moderate, but it was in the middle of nowhere, so probably no need for anything. So just carrying on business like usual. And then two days passes, and that Friday one day passed. And see, Kenneth is, is my technical consultant. So one day passed, and that evening a 7.1 magnitude occurred. And so we were sitting on the couch watching TV, and then Ben was sitting at the table, and we started feeling the surface waves roll in from the earthquake, and they literally roll in like waves of the ocean. So, you know, that's going through my mind, okay, we've got the surface waves coming, the, the elliptical motion is occurring, all of that. And so Ben got up and started, you know, surfing at the earth, and, and he did a good job. But from the duration of the shaking, then I knew it was significant. So I started texting with Kenneth right away. It's like, you know, we're going to have to leave like at 6 in the morning to just go there. We just have to go. And so Kenneth agreed with me, and I contacted other people. We gathered another engineer, and we went up and uh, observe damage. And uh, I know we're all in good shape here, but you know, it was fairly catastrophic for the city of Ridgecrest and the smaller towns of Trona and Argus. Um, Ridgecrest is gonna be okay, but it was a significant amount of shaping they had. But we did some surveys, some reconnaissance, Kenneth and myself and some others. Then we came back. Then I got an email from the city of Ridgecrest that went out a blanket email to all engineers and, and uh, inspectors 
hey, we need more people to deal with the city. So I said, here I go again. So I took off and, and arrived at City Hall, and there were just a couple of us there. It's a small city, 30,000 people, and small city staff, and they gave me the assignment of talking to people. And I thought, oh, this is perfect. So I, I spent three days up there. Uh, they had a huge backlog of telephone calls and, and uh, then answering the calls. So I was uh, trying to get through the messages. But here's, here's what my task was to talk to each person that was calling in where they were saying damage had occurred to their house or their business. In one case, the US Navy called me and asked for help. And so I was like, well, gee, you're the Navy. But anyway. <laughs> um, and for each of the cases, I first had the technical work of walking them through on the phone. What is your damage and helping them assess and filled out a form, et cetera. But uh, I loved the city staff there. They, they were some, a couple of really kind people, just hardworking, loving people. And I got the flavor of immediately that I could be unleashed. They actually wanted me to. That after walking through on the phone people's damage, I could talk to them about how they were personally doing. You know, how are you? How are your children? How's your family? And so past the business, just get into that. You know, one lady broke down at that point and started crying. We're uh, talking about, okay, what family do you have? What friends, what resources can we get you? And uh, I got, was able to just speak to people and encourage them. Now. Uh, it, was, it was really fulfilling because it may seem like that's not the role of the city, right? Isn't the role simply be to, like an automaton, find out what their damage is, to dispatch an inspector if it's bad enough. That's, that's the idea. But words have power. And that's the whole purpose of this sermon. What may seem like a small opportunity is actually an opportunity to change how people feel about their situation. Uh, the ulterior motive I had was if I got them calm enough and understanding their house was okay, then we would not have to dispatch an inspector. So saving the resources of sending somebody out there physically. So, so I had a huge batting average, like 60 or 70%. At the end of the call, it's like, you don't need an inspector. I don't need an inspector. You know, that's, that's the force. You know? and, but, but, you know, I'm not shortcutting. They needed to talk to somebody. You know, all their stuff is broken universally inside the house. They don't have anything to eat off of. And so separating in your mind your stuff in the house from the structure is a little bit hard to do. So I knew that I have power in words 
and the power is not my own. The power comes from God, who has given us the power to do these things. I overheard one of the other city personnel saying, we're praying for it. You know, so that's why I felt unleashed to really, you know, talk to people. And, and it, was, uh, it was wonderful, but it was a great reminder of the power of words. And so part of this lesson is uh, to not just go through your family like an automaton, like now it is time for dinner. Eat your dinner, clean the dishes, go to bed, stop arguing next day, right? That's, that's the mechanics of a family. But what about your words speaking a blessing in every day as you're doing all of that, right? How do your words flow into all of this? So you can click, click twice. Uh, okay, that's good. So the power of words is extraordinary. Now, I don't want you to get too transfixed on the past because anytime we do that, you can start getting a feeling washing over you regret. I don't want you to do that. Regret in how other people in your family have spoken to you or regret about how you have spoken to your family. Uh, it doesn't take much for any of us to get into that dark place where we start really regretting. The point is to move to a much better place. And I'm telling you, with the power of Christ, we can do that. So as the first uh, bullet says, words can build us up or tear us down, right? And think of your family dynamics. Have there been points in time where a few words spoken broke a relationship for quite a while? And oh, that's, that's horrible to think that's even possible, right? A sentence or two can break family relationships. That speaks to the power of words. So to, without further ado, we're going to have a video. It's one of my favorite. So let's go ahead and play that. This is really good with sound. <laughs> Thank you. 
So uh, that video is, again, it's, it's shocking when we think of missed opportunities, problems, where we've spoken death is the implication, right? And how we're going to transform into people who speak life. And I love how he phrases it, into the deepest, darkest night. See, it's not the situation that controls what's going to happen. The darker the situation, the more each one of us is needed to speak life into it, right? So just because it's dark around you does not mean that you need to become the victim of it. You speak life into it. It's going to do incredible things. So I've got a quiz for you now. Think in terms of a, a family blessing. In the Bible, if you have a blessing, is that through, next, a certificate? In the Bible, do you get a certificate if you're being blessed? See, that doesn't sound familiar, right? Okay, next. How about a pile of cash? Here is your blessing, right? That's not it either, but rather, it's a verbal blessing. That's the form of a blessing in the Bible. And, and you can go through so many examples. Next slide. We have Abraham speaking the blessing to Isaac. Next, you have Isaac speaking to Jacob the blessing. Next, you have Jacob too, as we saw last week, this complex thing of 12 sons and two grandsons. And, but the point is, Jacob said a blessing to two generations. Then, next slide, Paul, he spoke a blessing to the churches, to Timothy, etc. We were reading in Plasmore this morning, uh, Timothy speaking, uh, Paul speaking to Timothy, and he was speaking a blessing. You know, we're so used to the language of the Bible, we gloss over the fact that Paul purposely gives a blessing verbally to Timothy. He talks about his power, how great he is through his grandmother and his mother's faith, and great things live in you also. That's how Paul talks to Timothy, right? Now we're, and he calls him my son, even though he's not literally his son. Now we're big on listening to scripture, right? We listen as scripture tells us what to do. And we talk about listening to the example that is laid out in scripture and the example in the New Testament church. But I feel like sometimes we gloss over the way people talk to each other as an example, right? That's the example that we are to follow. Look how Paul spoke to Timothy with, su with such loving, encouraging words. And then look at all of these examples. So what I'm saying is we actually should study 
the way people talk to each other and gain them. Like, how does Paul start his letters? Like, uh, Carol, you remember, what are some of the words? Grace and peace, right? And that's almost universal in Paul's letters to churches. Grace and peace to you. That's a blessing. And I was contemplating, well, that's powerful. That's actually an example of what we are to do. So then I started, like, at the 7-Eleven. I get a double milk with Dr. Pepper, right, for he knows me. And then at the counter, I pay and I say grace and peace to you. And I have, have like an experiment I've been doing, and I've got nothing but positive reaction. People's demeanor changes. It's like it's like the grace and peace hits them. It's like thank you, you know, the same to you, you know, or something like that. And it's it's a blessing in just a couple of words, right? Uh, amazing, the power of words. So don't overlook the example in Scripture of the blessing through words. Now we're going to look at one Scripture, next slide. So turn to James chapter 3. And this is such a powerful section. This is the only Scripture we're going to read through today. So I've got it on the screen or pull up your Bible. I know it's a little fine print. James 3, 2 through 12 says, We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their entire body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the entire body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it itself is set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. That last analogy there is interesting. If you can measure what is within you by the words that come out, they're going to be consistent. And I know everybody can hold their words together for two minutes. 
in polite company, but can your spring flow fresh water all the time? Or does the, does the blind that's within your soul emerge sometimes? This is pointing out that there's a problem there, if that's what's going on. So next slide, just think through the analogies of the tongue. Next. You have, first of all, a huge horse controlled with such a small bit. The entire direction of the horse is governed by the bit uh, in the mouth, right? Next, second analogy is this huge ship. To this day, they're controlled largely by a rudder in the back, this little rudder on the very back of a massive ship, right? And then the third analogy, the fire analogy, that a small spark can set the forest on fire. Now, let me give you an example of how that works in family dynamics. You might have a family member who you know is composed of gasoline entirely. See, don't throw that spark into them. Right? You know, it's almost tempting to say, no, that's their fault when they explode. But James is almost saying, no, it's your fault for throwing a spark in there. Don't do it. You know that they're going to blow up. It's just like a massive dry forest. You know that a spark will ignite it. It's in your power to not ignite the spark. Figure out a different way to go about it. Okay, so yours is the power. I know we like to blame the person that blows up, but really we have more power than we think to speak into the situation. Don't throw out that spark. Okay, next slide. So think about your family for a minute and what we spend time at. Uh, the advertising community tells us that our family's course of life is set on the big things. The nice house, the nice car, but it's pretty much absent from biblical theology as that being the big thing in your family. The big thing is Abraham blessing his son. What, did that occur in a big, beautiful mansion or just out in the desert somewhere? See, it doesn't matter, right? The blessing is what matters. What you speak is what matters. It's those times you carve out every day, and I mean that, every day, to speak a blessing to your children, to everyone around you and your family. So next slide, if you think about it, what are the hindrances to us expressing such powerful, strong, good things? One of the things is we're looking for the right moment, like we're embarrassed to encourage our family, like, well, this isn't the right time. Um, and also, we get very busy as the book, The Blessing, points out, it says, is overactivity the enemy of the blessing, right? Is, uh, is your schedule such that you feel like you can never bless your family through your words? 
So we need to, in some manner, slow down to accomplish that. Now, what does it look like? It might mean that you carve out five minutes dropping them off for school to bless them in the car before you send them off, right? Just speak a blessing. Or there's other times. It doesn't mean just because you're busy you can't carve out the special moments to bless your family. And uh, so don't wait for the perfect opportunity. Next slide. Uh, one scary thing is thinking about what happens to those around you if you don't give the blessing, especially as parents. Because children crave a blessing. And without a blessing, they're going to start veering because of their craving of the blessing. They seek approval or recognition in some way. And it can take all kinds of forms, right? They can, they can spin out of control in one direction, seeking attention, or they can be all the time, Daddy, uh, look at me. And you never have time to bless them with an acknowledgement of what they're doing. Right? That's, that's scary that we don't provide that blessing at great opportunities like that. So make sure to carve it out. Next slide. So be purposeful with your time. Don't fill all your time with small talk. The book says an analogy is when you have a family reunion that's two days long, you spend like a day and a half doing small talk, catching up then maybe just as you're about to leave, then you finally speak a blessing to your relatives and, and talk to them about how much you love them and how much you're praying for them, all of that. So it's like in life we're waiting for that moment at the end and we're instead filling it up with small talk. We have to be conscious about it. And so, uh, Talk to people, ask them how they're doing. Uh, one thing I've discovered is ask your family members what they're thinking about a lot. If it's running around in your mind, then it's of concern, right? So find out, and it may not seem major, but that's something to bless them with prayer and encouragement. Whatever is running around in their mind, like, like so-and-so didn't talk to me at lunch today, and I got upset, right? That's what one kid tells you. And it's easy to dismiss that. Don't speak a blessing into that, an encouragement into that. And uh, the last point is the power of your blessing. Now, I don't want any of this to be a self-help course. Like, I told you what to do, now you have something on your checklist, I'm going to bless people through my words. See, human beings aren't powerful enough on their own to implement righteousness. And James told us that. It's like, the tongue is going to mess you up. Say, that's the reality. The power is in what Christ does for us. 
everything changed the day of Pentecost when the power for all believers is given us to rise above our natural abilities. So you must believe in the power of God to work in your weakness. So if you're weak with your words, great, no problem. Like Moses, God will work through that. No problem at all to God. He's like, yeah, don't worry about it. All you need is a willingness and a desire to speak the blessing. Then pray to really tap into Christ's power to accomplish that. And you will. It'll just happen. You don't have to have a degree in encouragement. You don't have to have anything. You have the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, which will transform your words this week. So it's very exciting. I want everyone to leave here with the same sense of excitement we talked about from the resurrection of Christ from the dead. It says that same power is at work in you right now in your words. Yeah, very exciting. And so let's keep encouraging each other because the people around us are going to be blessed through the Spirit this week. It's going to be really awesome. So with that, uh, we have a final song, right?